and welcome to the Dice Are Screaming. Yes, it's early and we are up, so here we are bringing you new content. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we form the gestalt of the two-headed literary head of gaming podcasts. <laughs> the canooter valve yes. of gaming podcasting. I was waiting for the uh, our self-depreciating insult, but hey, you know, it is uh, Friday, so it's... Now remember to check that canooter valve. Yeah, I, you Get know, some turn signal fluid. We're going to have to... <laughs> yeah, next time I uh, go to the oil change place, I got to tell them, like, uh, no beeper fluid for me. Yeah. Oh, my, my horn works just fine. Yeah. <laughs> canooter valve. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Oh, your blinker fluid's low. Yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Just just oil, please. Uh, you need a you need a new canooter valve? No, you don't. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, welcome. Uh, it's been... Been a heck of a week here in Michigan, as warm as, well, it's pretty warm. Yeah. Uh, hey, February and like managing to creep our way towards almost 60 degrees. Uh, yeah, that, that was a nice day. Yes, uh, enjoying it. Uh, not uh, inside swearing at the curse of winter and the grip of winter is still upon us. Yeah, we're not like... St- you know, staring out of hoarfrost-rhymed windows, uh, longingly remembering the days of summer. Uh, we're going, hey, you know, this feels like spring. Uh, of course, I'm emotionally waiting for the other shoe to drop mm-hmm. because somewhere deep in my Michigan spirit, uh, I have been broken. And I know that no matter how nice it seems, old man winter will try to screw with me at least a few more times before I'm allowed to be happy. Yeah, but not everybody's been as fortunate as we are. So uh, wherever you are in the world... Hope everything's been fine, and well, if winter still has its grip on you, or some of the bad weather that's been uh, running about, hopefully you're all safe. So, anyway, yeah. Last on. week we had a we had a short episode. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, not by choice. Yeah. That was thrust upon us by chance because uh, our initial segment failed us at the. The half hour mark, we went to save the material, and something glitched. Yeah, still have no idea what. But lost an entire episode. So yeah, half hour. The, so we first, just had to pivot. But <clears throat> I, so, I feel like uh, you know we recovered. Like we we got a good score on the dismount. <laughs> yeah, we did. So we're gonna pick up what we had last time. We were just gonna touch base on the D and D new edition releases have been out and probably everybody else is talking to us so we're going to take our turn with them well we had a little feedback uh, on uh, that last episode did we know oh yeah yeah we did uh, yeah it can do interaction everybody said it was uh, very interesting and that's that's a term i would use uh sparingly interesting because it's kind of too too edged right uh, okay you know it look it's <laughs> fair right. it's fair uh, but i i do want to like rebut just one tidbit uh, that you know some contentions were made that uh it was uh, the water deep in the north uh supplement was like excessive fluff uh, not enough real content i would beg to differ i i would say that uh it was more real content for 
DMs who are prepared to then follow through and make use of the information that was given to them. Oh, uh, oh. It was not pre-made. Like, here is a module, and it is complete and finished, and like you don't need to do anything to it. Here you go. Uh, instead, these were books that had this massive content in terms of hints and suggestions and ideas and uh, places and things that could theoretically be going on in those places uh, in terms of placing all of this bait uh, for the creative would-be DM that is prepared to then fill in the blanks and like, ooh, okay, I could, yeah, all right, if there's a necromancer who is reputed to be in a tower uh, and skeletons have been seen roaming in this area, like that, that was all you needed to hand me. And then Mike was ready to fill in the rest. Like, I'm going to write all this out. So Tower instead of getting hmm. one dungeon in one location with all the material fleshed out for you, you get the potential to go and make a thousand of your own dungeons. That to me was like that. That's not fluff to me. That is like, mm -hmm. you just handed me the <clears throat> meat and potatoes that I want and you kept away all of the unnecessary stuff that... You know, well, I guess uh, let, let's steer back into where this conversation uh, sprung from. That we did have a listener um, on Discord come out and uh, say that there was, they really liked the city system or, or the episode talking about cities, but they felt that like looking at the water deep and the north and the environments, as well as some of the parts of the city system itself, the orange box set that we're referring to. They felt that it was laden with fluff that they did not need. They just wanted a system that provided a city, templates, and ideas for, uh, or charts. They could come up with the rest. And uh, okay, because they didn't, they don't play in the Forgotten Realms. They didn't like it. I can understand yeah. that. The city system was big. It had a large number of things. I imagine that there are some components that people would not find interesting. <clears throat> that they're like. How much in there was stuff that you and I did not wind up using? But well, we're I grateful to it because it had so much that we did. I didn't play in Forgotten Realms. I didn't. Uh, I later picked up a set from a used section in the bookstore that was. It was just there, like ten dollars, and inside was, you know, Water Deep in the North. And I'm like, hey, you know, you got that Water Deep in the North up in here as well. And they're like, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the same thing. Well, and uh, so I picked that up, but I, I didn't use Forgotten Realms anyway. I do want to like highlight that there are different <laughs> styles of DMing than mine. Like there are people who are looking for a different experience from the material. Uh, and if you're looking for something uh, a little more traditional, a little more familiar to the module concept, uh, you know, with very clearly, you know, parameter with very clear parameters and neatly delineated in terms of like it, it gives in-depth, detailed coverage of each tidbit. They probably could not have done like whole regions as as books doing that. Uh, they would have had to micro focus. Uh, and the macro books worked for my style of play. It might not have been the best for other people's style of creativity. Absolutely. But uh, I mean, there is a difference here, but I think that the ranker. For me, a little... 
it's like, to me, they were such a candy shop. I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. 10,000 random ideas, you know. Right. What I think that the city system itself was heavily invested into Waterdeep. I mean, you could remove yeah. a lot of the stuff and still use it. I mean, like we were talking about, they had three different types of warehouses and different examples of those warehouses. So if you ever need a warehouse, I mean, here's the template right here, an instant map. Yeah, and it does seem a bit fluff-like, except in the sense that if you're looking to not just bring out the exact same map every time you play, uh, like, okay, this is, uh, you know, we're in our two-year campaign, and, uh, you know, we're, we're eight months in, and this is the third time I have reused a generic warehouse area. Well, no, being able to shuffle it up has some virtue to it. I, I think they got that. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was motivated by a desire to fluff. Well, I, I, look, <laughs> I have a whole rant on this, and I think that there's some people out there that are just disingenuous. No matter what you would hand them, they would want either more or something different. I don't like chocolate. Okay, well, here's some peanut butter. I don't like peanut butter. I want the chocolate. Okay, well, here's chocolate and peanut butter. You can have both now. No, that's mixing the... Uh, okay. So uh, I'll just leave it off at that. Okay, okay, yeah. There, there's a fair case to be made that, like, we are gamers, and when we are interneting, uh, a little opposite oppositional defiance and, disorder yeah. comes out. <laughs> I think people are a little bit more free. And if they don't like something or there's something that they don't want or didn't want or their expectations were not met, I think it's fair to say when your expectations are not met that, you know, that's where anger comes from. But I think also uh, there's a certain idea that where you have to key up your own ideas and make peace with them. Like, well, this didn't do it for me. And I think that there's a different, there was something different I wanted out of this. Make that criticism known and be more clear and concise about it rather than just a generic slap. As an opposition to that, uh, we have another listener that they, they know who they are who has said that uh, they actually went and picked up the city system. And they uh, they liked it. They, they said that uh, they wouldn't have found it without their podcast. And we've had quite a few of those over the years where a uh, listener to will uh, let me know that, like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I, I would have never found this game or this supplement or this module. Oh, and they really sure. appreciate us covering it. So... Because we do love the deep cuts. And I mean, it, it's not just deep cuts for deep cuts sake. I, like if we bring up a deep cut, we are going to do either one of two things. The most likely one is we're going to praise something that we remember as being awesome and that we think may have been overlooked. And number two is if it truly was a stinker, we're going to call it that right on its face. I, like in, if we tell people to look it up and, and have a look at it, it's purely going to be for, okay, this, this, is going to be your B-grade Ed Wood movie moment, where like Plan Nine from Outer Space, like you, you have to see this to understand how bad it is. Like it's like Limburger cheese; you don't understand how awful it smells until you have. Actually yeah, I think there's it. only one though, one or two supplements or game <laughs> uh, accessories that we've ever said are just like, yeah, we're just talking about this because it's so bad. Something oh. rotten in Kislev, I think. Yeah, there's yeah. Onyx uh, letting us know what she doesn't. <laughs> Probably a stray bag going across the uh, the yard or a sus something hove through her field of vision and set her off. But yeah. uh, 
I certainly empathize with that that howl of dismay. Yeah, well uh, timed with that. When I think rotten. about uh, something rotten in Kislev, or when I think about uh, fantasy wargaming. Yeah, yeah, that book. Those those are the only two turkeys that we will just like. Yeah, okay, trust us. <laughs> don't buy them. Okay, you're just you know Warhammer fantasy role play. Certain people I, I've had uh, a near violent encounter with one vendor. I think it was Hoghead, the guy who was at Hogheads Gaming, actually got uh, started to uh, get violent with me, like threatening me with physical. Oh, you want to take this outside? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. But uh, that's not going to change my opinion. Whatever, no matter what comes out of it, I think this is, it was terrible, and he ruined a great setting. So there yeah. you go. That's my opinion. Uh, you can we can agree to disagree, but something rotten. Like that's the hill this dude chose to die on. Well, I... he he had bought look. Let's I not... am Captain Incredulous here because, like, if you were, I, wow! That's... Well, you well, look. I summoned you for that purpose uh, to, to confront this guy because he got visibly upset over it. I like Augeds Gaming. Yeah, it was the CEO that... of that, and you know, he was like all being smarmy about it. And I'm like, look, uh, I, I I like Warhammer Fantasy, and I'm glad that uh, you're publishing a lot of the stuff and keeping it out there. But uh, you know, something rotten Kislev's just ruined tanked the whole campaign for me, and Later, I would look at Empire and Flames in a different way as kind of like uh, they just pretended something rotten and Kislev kind of didn't happen. And uh, that's yeah. what, what I agreed with. And that you, was our. You had to fast forward it. Like it's as if, well, I, <laughs> I'm going to reference the movie Dune. Uh, <laughs> if you notice, uh, Mr. David Lynch took his name off it. Uh, <laughs> and. Portions of it were not filmed by David Lynch. Uh, he, he did a fine job trying to stitch it together, but uh, it became an Alan Smithy production. Uh, and that 1980s version of Dune has become like historic for causing people to wonder who Alan Smithy was, which burst the bubble and everybody realized that this is a non-existent director. Who's it's a nom de guerre. Yeah, assigned to movies that nobody wanted to be associated with. And this is this is the deserved fate for something rotten in Kislev. Now, I, now later, I, uh, he threatened, he said, well, I can get you to meet Ken Ralston. And I did meet him later that day. Ugh. But I did, uh, you know, I came away with a different opinion of Ken afterwards. I think he, he It's was, not a horrible person. Well, it's I, just that he has a very specific style. And I say this generously. My hatred when I was 20... Because we were in that campaign. I pulled a bandit off, kids. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. This is happening now. This is <laughs> happening. We, um, we were in a dedicated Warhammer fantasy campaign. And we played that series. The like series leading up. As to they Warhammer were coming Fantasy. out. And so yeah. every release was deeply anticipated. Yeah, we loved them. And I, when I say love, I, I don't mean that lightheartedly. These were like the best fantasy, dark, gritty, horror series, dark. like the grim dark mm. essential. Mm -hmm. And to be going through that at that time and savoring every minute of it, I mean, just such outstanding writing in the in particular, in the first two supplements. The third was nothing to like scoff at either. Uh, these were well-written, uh, multi-dimensional, 
and only linear in the sense that there was an overarching plot that was taking place, whether you were participating in that or not. Things, events were moving without you, and so you'd better be on about your business. Uh, but they left some room for the DM to. to well, sure, but you know where Death on the Reich was. Uh, well, the first two are pretty much just standard adventure modules, like start here, end here. There was a sensibility about the initial releases that they all had in common. Uh, that the fourth, something rotten in Kislev, Mister Ralston, I, the guy found his pace in paranoia where being an absolutely linear Bigfoot DM plot hammer, uh, you know, you don't need like really cunning writing or, you know, red herrings that are really meaningful. Uh, you know, when you're just going to wield the plot hammer like Harley Quinn on a bender going through some goons, you know, just bam, 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 bam. Well, yeah. if I could uh, so put it in a summary. Ken Ralston okay. playing whack-a-mole. Uh, yeah, that's what it felt was like. Was the worst possible insertion into that series. And it a lot of people no afterwards, sense. including Jim Bombaro, said that it wasn't quite what they wanted, but that's what they got. And there are some great points to it. I mean, the problem is, is that Something Rotten and Kislev really developed a different part of the world. And I think the other thing that uh, Ken Ralston from when his RuneQuest days, really understood how to world build from Greg Stafford. So he was developing a part of the world that had just been hinted at vaguely. And so he was really working, I think, with a blank slate to be creative. But what ended up happening was, is you had a series of adventures that, while still linear in many ways, especially Death on the Right box set, uh, positioned you to be you could go here or go there, but eventually this is going to happen. So when the players decide to take and put these clues together, this is where inevitably it will lead them. But however they got there is completely up to them. And then remove that freedom and replace it with a very weirdly staged encounter system and event table. I mean, you went from power behind the throne, which was, of course, the culmination of several events that have been happening throughout the campaign. And it was a symphonic masterpiece. Yeah, with a mystery and um, <laughs> that you had to role play with a diverse amount of characters that, and just a cast of, villain, of people. You had to find the evil people in there, including a doppelganger. And this was well, very well done. And uh, oh, fiendish fiendishly well done I, uh, yeah finding the doppelganger who's the one who's helping the head of the cult of tazint the cult of the uh, cult of the purple hand yes uh so the order of the purple hand i'm sorry so they have infiltrated the highest power uh peaks of power and have uh gotten one of the elector counts under their thumb by having the doppelganger now in person from time to time not full time just from time to time and it's a good adventure. So let's just say that however it uh, ended up playing out, you go from that where the players are given a lot of agency and freedom and take them back to... Yeah, like you Mike had says, to work. Back and... uh, I, I hate to say it, but I think what was so jarring was that uh, you had... Going from the early adventures in the very first module, uh, you could afford to be a simple player having fun. 
uh, and then you were lovingly coaxed into bringing your A game mm -hmm. until by the time you get to that third uh, scenario, you were playing at a level that was far above where you started. Right now, to then be jerked up short, mm. like somebody just snatched the reins, uh, like you were at a gallop, and you're really looking forward to this like next stretch of the race, and somebody yanks those reins and pulls you to a grinding halt, uh, and wow, it was just disconcerting well and we talk a lot about dm agency to be and able to change things you wanted but we just even me <laughs> trying to be generous and just ignore things i didn't like and move past it yeah the I, end result is just basically you die if you don't do this thing and it would be antithetical to players to do it do this thing and uh it's characters that have probably been exposed to the the darkness within the Warhammer world will now know no, that you don't want to do it. Well, this lich is going to force you to do it. And it's not a typical lich like sitting in a tower uh, waiting. Now the adventurers will come into my grasp and I will control. No, not like that. It's some weird dwarf lich uh, that doesn't appear like a lich, I guess. I don't know. And he just kills you and there's no spell. There's no save. Just You just die. Rocks death. And so it was really weird. And I think uh, what I was bringing up to the guy from Hogheads is it struck me as like he ran out of ideas and time was coming. Uh, his visit was coming to a close. So they just quickly hurried it up. Like, here's how you close all the plot holes in this one. Boom. I'm on the airline out. Bye. Because they spent an inordinate amount of time drinking, as I understand and hey, you know, you're gamers, you're meeting up with some guys from across. I respect the drinking. Oh, yeah. I uh, in any case, that was like the source of my longtime discontent with Ken Ralston. So when we do have some. Who redeemed himself in my eyes with his work in Paranoia, where he was truly in his element, something where you can communicate. Oh, so big Oblivion game series and other things, you know, there's okay, a lot. Fair. Look, his contributions he, to Oblivion are not irrelevant. Those are good. He's, you know, he is who he is. Look, if we were all held to account on our past sins, none of us would be here anymore. So Yeah, and let's face it, uh, I'm, I'm a lot more generous now that I'm old and, like, I'm remembering, like, hey, if you were completely depending on my contributions to make a nuclear sub work, um, you would be in deep trouble. I would not get on that sub if I were you. Uh, in his case, this was one of those moments where they, they sent this guy in to be like, uh, I'm a plumber from Des Moines. Like, we want you to fix this nuclear reactor. Um, the answer at that moment should have been, I don't feel like I'm qualified for this. And where I was mad at Mr. Ralston was, he, yeah, sure, man, I'm in. It's just, that, it was not the dude you wanted for that gig at that moment. Oh. No. <laughs> you, you're looking for the deft hand of a surgeon, and you got Bob the Chainsaw Artist, like, I'm making a wood nymph out of a tree. You know, oh, just, right. Uh, well, I'm putting the paddles out. Yeah. We need to land this plane for a yeah. minute. Get her on the deck, Mike. We've had a fun opener. Yeah, so uh, we I, talked. I, we, I was going to talk about Evil Genius Games, and it's yeah. the demise of that, but that's well documented in other places. You can go look that up. But let's just say sometimes when you name yourself Evil Genius Games, you end up fulfilling your own prophecy i don't know yeah. uh, evil d 
dingbat games or it's it, it's kind of weird how it ended up, but I don't think genius would be applied to that, but evil certainly would. And I, I think I there is some one nice thing about them though is that like yeah. there was a time at their inception that this was a dependable outlet that when they said we're going to make product, they delivered product. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so it's... you're like before we crap all over them for a moment. <laughs> you like let's remember the the glory days. While we're crapping but, but here we are, mythological moment of hubris. Uh, which we have just discussed with the rise and fall of uh, something rotten in Kislev, moment of hubris, much like that. This is uh, the leadership for Evil Genius Games had that moment of hubris, and they did not handle it better than a lot of other people. Well, so. the world needed another Rambo, the role-playing game. <laughs> okay. Now, they had Predator, too. And, I mean, nothing wrong with Predator, the role-playing game, but how far can you take Predator, the role-playing game? Yeah, all right, fair enough. Uh, I mean, for a one-off. Now, oh hey, hey, now let me let me just talk you into this one. Just like the Call of Cthulhu, where you're playing gang, you think you're playing gangbusters, but really you're playing Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's we're great. playing we're playing Twilight Two Thousand, right? But we're you know the apocalypse has yet to happen yet, right? So this is a precursor. So we're like nineteen ninety five or something. And we're in the South American jungles and you're fighting narco terrorists. <laughs> and you, you just design them. a whole bunch of super badasses. Just like literally they were, you know, just it's a our, bunch of it's our little SEAL team six here. Yeah, we're a hardcore, you know, ultra elite strike force that strikes for great justice. And then SEAL team rigs. You give them you give them the the they take out the uh narco terrorists or you know and find out that that this is just an intelligence ops. And just as the players are starting to come at odds with one another over this scenario, an invisible, almost unstoppable, menacing force has been trailing them that they've been feeling <laughs> something following us. Now they must have a highly trained guerrilla infiltration unit out living out in the bush. Let's go uh, turn around and zap them, and all those guys just die. And not just like die like. Okay, you took six hit points from an AK-47 to the chest. You're going to take another six hit points in the burst fire to your uh, leg. And, oh, another one in the chest. I guess you're critically wounded now. No, it's like, okay, so roll dice. What happened? You took 48 points to the neck. What? From what? You don't know. You're dead. Yeah, you you don't even feel it. (laughs) You woke up gone. I, I rolled a dodge. It, no, it, it's fast. Well, I mean, like, if I can dodge bullets in this game, I mean, I can at least take half damage. No. No. The other guy's like, what What do I see? Well, there's just a flash, and then there's just the scent of burnt flesh. It's this plasma beam. You see this blue flash, like lightning, just flick through it, just like a bolt of plasma, just cauterizes the wound immediately. Yeah. Decapitates them simultaneously. Now, imagine doing that with... Uh... Yeah, turning a Twilight 2000 retro game into a game of Predator. Uh, that would have been... You could do it once. Yeah, yeah but... You once know, you know you're fighting Predator... You can't ride it forever. Uh, but I, I want to say it's just sad to me. You know, it was sad to me to watch Evil Genius Games crash and burn because they really got an idea that, like, there's got to be a way to pull out of this tailspin. we got to find a way to make this happen. I'm going to do this. Uh, I don't care if I'm getting sued for, like, blurting stuff out. Uh, 
or making use of materials that I was explicitly told not to make use of in terms of media or advertising. Yeah. No, uh, I'm, the rules don't apply to me. I'm going to get away with this. There has to be a way to win. No. Uh, the only way to win is not to play. Like, there are just some mistakes. You, yeah. You just and own it and walk away. When we talk about it, there's ways you can make this happen, and maybe someday we should take and talk about how you could make a Predator role-playing game. I think you could go through time travel like they did with Prey. And uh, make a good uh, stand on it. But with Evil Genius Games, uh, once again, lawsuits are not a way to make a living, son. Yeah. Uh, If you've got to just like, hey, I'm just going to sue him for shut up and walk away money. uh, No, no, it's not going to work. That is a giant red flag to everybody. That like, if, if that is the way you do business, my plan now is to just retreat in a flurry of lawsuits and attempt to you know, sustain my career on the funds that I receive for going away. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's, that's Chug Durf. No. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're coming down to our half hour and we've just generally wandered around and uh, kicked some rocks around at yeah, things. So. That's enough meandering. Yeah, we start up pulling a horn's nest over this. I'm sure I'll get an angry you out from the uh, former uh, head of Hawkhead's game. But anyway. <laughs> Ken Ralston would... loves society. No. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we're going to be right back with some content, actually. Uh, we're going to be talking about the D&D New Edition release. And hopefully just about that. So we're going to take 10 and be right back. So stick around. And we're back. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that we, happened. Yeah, so that happened. So, hey, you know, first part is always just getting uh, comfortable with yourself and the role of being on air as such as it is. We're not live, of course, but uh, we are recorded. I mean, there's a pulse, but yeah, it's, it's slow and <laughs> a little sludgy. Yeah. But, you know. There, there are life signs aboard. Sure. <laughs> But we're going to be talking about the D&D New Edition release. And probably everybody knows, hey, we're a little late to the game because, well, we've got eight. But, hey, here we are talking about it. We've had a lot to say about it. So get ready. Um, just going to launch right into it. Uh, D&D has been, a New Edition release has been uh, foretold. Um, apparently in September the 17th will be the release of the Player's Handbook. And then following that on November 12th, the DM's Guide hits. Oops. And uh, with Monster Manor releasing in early 2025 on February the 18th. Now, as I understand it, the PDFs will be available some uh, time ahead, some uh, length ahead. I think two months is what they're saying. So yeah. you can get the Player's Handbook in uh, right after Gen Con or during. Yeah, so that would be August. No, up in July, you get it before Gen Con. So people will have some peek at before Gen Con coming in what the player's handbook is going to herald. And, uh, of course, the DM's Guide will be available and then the Monster Manual. Now, some WAGs, yes, Dungeon Discourse, I'm basically mentioning you, have been prophesizing, well, you know, you want to have monsters so you can play the game. Well, all right, let's, let's dig in right there. So the release schedule is stilted. Uh, to having the Monster Manual uh, be the last one. And that's been pretty traditional from 3rd edition yes. uh, and 2nd edition even. I think when 2nd edition, we had the Player's Handbook first, which was 
surprisingly meaty. Yeah, only us ancient, withered, uh, retro, uh, this is our, the bearded road apples of gaming. <laughs> I remember the little white box. Okay, Grandpa, okay. time to get you back in for your meds. Yeah, we remember the Monster Manual coming out first for first edition. Mm-hmm. That's really the only time that's been done. Okay, that it. I, I get that it was a special time and it was a wonderful time. And you know, like if you recall my nostalgia poison commentary of last week. Uh, that doesn't make it a brilliant strategy. Uh, they have no. never repeated that again. Um, I I still personally think that it was done that way in 77 because it was very popular for people who were playing it, a lot of custom home table games mm-hmm. in 1977, which they were. Like There was so much customization in home brewing <laughs> that putting the monsters out there first uh, was not about enforcing some form of uniformity, but handing a toolkit to people very, very quickly for a game that they were already managing and, you know, working on themselves. So you were just putting a supplement in their hands like, hey, here is a crap load of statted out monsters. Yeah, collected from a, a new monsters. Now, that circumstance has never existed again because, like, for... From that time forward, there has never really, we've never really encountered a time when, what is this Dungeons and Dragons of which you speak? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you wind up at a game table as a noob, uh, the chances still are that you have some familiarity uh, as opposed to none. So nostalgia poison has to be like a factor here where people it was just brilliant why can't they do it the way they did back then well uh, if i could if i could uh, render a counter to that um not disagreeing with you that yeah nostalgia poison is well the pdfs are going to be out right the pdfs but look um just like with a lot of things saying like well there's if you want to play the game with monsters you're going to have to have monsters look the only addition that was a little clumsy was third edition because there was so much radically different from first edition or excuse me from first and second edition to third edition that you couldn't say just take some of the older monster manuals like when second edition came out you could still run with the monster manual again until the monsters compendium came out later however um with third edition Everything had changed. The way armor class was, the way you know monsters interacted with you with skills and all that. There was a lot going on, so you might want to know a few things. Now, uh, in the back of the third edition player's handbook was a glossary with an inclusion of most of the monsters that you would find in B2 Keep Under Borderlands. Giant's Cube, Owlbear, Minotaur, uh, yeah. Orcs, hobgoblins, goblins, and kobolds. You had basic cast of characters and some, um, some skelly men and zombies and creepy crawlies, uh, carrying crawler and gelatinous cubes. Yeah, a little something to tide you over until they get to Right, you. until they got to you there. But uh, with this edition r- regarding uh, the transition from this edition to this new edition, what is it going to be called? One D&D in the darkness to mind them. <laughs> 
<laughs> one giant millstone around their neck to drag them to the bottom. You know, I'm sorry, hate to go all negative. But I, again, I will yeah. wait and I will see. However, you still got the fifth edition monster manuals and all the materials necessary. You don't have, you could run a hybrid game if you really want to. Like, hey, we're just going to use stuff out of the player's handbook because that only is for player characters, roughly. And we'll just, you know, glide along with the monster manual, well, the old monster manual until we get the new one in our hands. Yeah, that, that's all you need to do. So don't make such a big deal out of it. Okay. Dungeon, Dungeons and Discourse uh, seems to be on a roll lately of just forecasting gloom and doom everywhere and it's all going to collapse on us and we're all just going to uh, slide off into the ocean. Well, gloom and doom does pay the bills. I mean, oh, yeah, let's, it definitely let's face gets it, as, as we know to our lasting, uh, you know, uh, to our rue, uh, we know perfectly well that there are approaches we could take that would be far more exciting that would generate, you know, uh, in the words of Eminem, a little controversy, uh, and we don't because it's BS. Uh, it's disingenuous. Uh, it is chiefly about being clickbait and getting more listens and making more money. Uh, it is not about saying what you actually think or analyzing anything in a fashion that is accurate. It's about being exciting. And I have no respect for that. I, that, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, you would be a lot more exciting if, well, yeah, well, if I lied, I mean, but at that point, why not just be like the fiction channel? <laughs> We're just going to make crap up. Aliens like, did it. Yeah, that, exactly. I'm not saying that aliens did it, but aliens did it. Jazz hands. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, man. You know, that I, I find that yeah, entire I'm paradigm a... repugnant. Uh, so... We're not nearly as traumatized by the schedule setup here as some people appear to be. But you have always also been saying for quite a while that you didn't like the rollout of 5th edition. And this is pretty much the rollout of 5th edition done again. Yeah, I found the length of time between books uh, offensive. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm talking about the length of time, not the order in which they were released or things or which one comes last or any of that. Uh, it just it, like spending nearly half a year before you are able to assemble all the books uh, is not a thing I'm into because well, I'm especially a paper with... and pencil DM. I am a guy who like, I want a book in front of me. I want to sit down. I'm going to open a notepad. I'm going to make my own notes and I am going to craft characters and learn this system uh, just like I would as a new player and then start drafting modules and creating on my own. Uh, I have a process and it is done with books. I do not, I, I, I'm not a laptop DM. That's just not how I roll. I'm, I'm not a virtual DM. Uh, I am a tabletop gamer. Well, so, I think everybody else who does those things with a laptop are also tabletop gamers. Sure. Sure, but I think that here you are, Let's not turn this into a, okay, you don't have to have a certain aspect, but that's the way you choose to play. That's what you want to do. Well, does it really take six months to get these three books out? Like you can't plan this to like, just have it all happen mm -hmm. within like 90 days or less, you know? Like, well, 
January, February, March, or, you know, uh, is it going to be from September to February? Uh, <laughs> Let me offer this then. All right. So fifth edition came out after fourth edition, right? Yeah, well, oh, yeah. obviously. Okay. Right. Four I'm with or five you so far. Right. Okay. So you're with me. So, but there was just a radical departure from how fourth edition ran to fifth edition. Thank God. So a lot of the material that had been accumulated for fourth edition wasn't going to necessarily be translatable easily to fifth edition. They had made that pretty clear. So yeah, not having a monster manual for this one would be a detriment. But in this case, they plainly said and fairly well, we don't know for sure what it is because they're very reserved in what they're giving out right now. And hey, it's coming up forward on us uh, sometime, and I guess in July we'll see the PDFs. However, you can use a lot of the material for fifth edition for this new edition. It's not, they, they've claimed that it's not going to be that radical. So you're not in that great of a need. Now, yeah. magic items um, representing. Uh, Game Master advice, DM advice in the DM's guide, and maybe some uh, particular rules on how to run encounters or set experience points. And the, that's usually probably going to be included in the DM's guide. I'm pretty sure that might be something like five, six months down the road. You would like, hey, if I would have had this information before, that would have been cool, but whatever. Um, that's why you are we call it a hybrid game. And, you know, with uh, another thing is like Paizo just did the remaster. They don't even have the second player core yet. So if you want to play a sorcerer or a champion, good luck. You don't have those rules, but what you can do is run with what you got right now until they come out with it. Yeah. I was about to say that uh, like the ultimate lesson that I learned from like all of these different editions over all of these many years is, you know, if you are interested by all means, pick up the first books when they come out, like the first book. Uh, but don't even think about actively playing. You know, you might as well prepare to spend six months studying so that you will be ready when the final books are out. I mean, if you're truly a book junkie like me mm-hmm. and you're not going to do PDFs and you're not going to take advantage of the Internet material that's out there, uh, which I'm not like I, I hate to read stuff on a screen. Uh, I, I like books. So that's, it's a personal flaw. Not everybody shares that. So it's not really a problem for them. But for me, it means that it will be half a year before mm-hmm. I have the assembled materials to actually consider trying to play a game. So it is what it is. And I'm well, not entirely satisfied with that. I going back to the point, like more than a decade to plan a, like, a new edition and it is more than a decade if you had that much time you can do it a little tighter than that okay it's not like well we haven't even started working on the monster manual yet we we just finished the and then we've only got like like just six months to slap together a a, no they've been working on these as a coherent group for years so or have they they have (laughs) All right. This is a tactical choice in terms of marketing that has been made, and I disagree with it. The LSO is calling you down to the deck. Put your wheels down. I disagree. I'm going to put it back onto the Paizo because you pulled me off of that one. 
Okay. So we're going back to Paizo. Paizo's doing the same thing. Now, you can run a hybrid Pathfinder 2nd Edition game because really not much has changed in the game. Okay? Now, maybe some monster names and there's been some culling of material, so it's <laughs> uh, not so D&D adjacent, so they can avoid probable lawsuits so the gaming license change or become hostile again. Whatever. Yeah. So, like, okay, so there's no current version right now of a champion, a paladin. So you can't play a paladin or a liberator or redeemer. But you still can because the rules really haven't changed. There's just a few twists and turns. Now, something like the witch, um, yeah, if you were playing a witch before and you play a witch, uh, the new version of the witch that's in uh, the player's core one, um, yeah, you're going to feel a difference of experience. They're, they are that different. I think also the alchemist is going to see a, quite a bit of change. Uh, but those two classes aside, yeah, uh, I think uh, they're clearing up a little bit of the sorcerer problems. And that's the classes in the second core are a little bit more advanced uh, and a little bit more. Uh, they have more mechanics like the swashbuckler and a few others. But however, the monsters are pretty much the same. They're going to make some clarifications and that's it. And if the new edition is like that, then I think a lot of these criticisms fall flat because Paizo's doing it and nobody's like really beating them up over that. They have taken a little bit of flack uh, over making the changes that they have made and doing a second edition in the first place, but I don't think they've taken undue. No, they didn't make it a new edition. They just basically, while they got the hood open, they're going to go ahead. Hey, while we're changing out the uh, transmission, we're going to, uh, put some new antifreeze in here, and uh, your filter needs to change. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, okay? Uh, Quality of life changes. The way Paizo is acting is the way I think anybody would act if, like, uh, somebody who had been a convicted serial killer was released and needed housing and has moved into your neighborhood. There is a reason that, like, okay, in our new edition, we're buying some cameras that we're going to, you know, put up uh, to ob- observe outside the house. We're investing in some brand new locks. Um, we're purchasing a very loud and well-trained dog. And we now have a private case of firearms, just in case we should happen to need them. So you're, the you're very we don't wizard. know that we will need them, but I would feel a lot better if they were here, should we happen to need them. So you just compared Wizards of the Coast to a recent release serial killer. Okay. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, because they did that. Okay. They did it. They did what they did. They did it out in public where everybody could see it. And I have absolute forgiveness for every single company in gaming that is bulletproofing themselves against action that might come 25 years from now. Like you and I could be either in nursing homes or gone. But an argument like this is going to happen again. I prefer hospice. If you have a culture uh, in a you know, like in, in corporate culture, if you have a corporate culture that is obsessed with like, we shall have total domination of the universe. <laughs> yeah. It might be Paizo doing it. Yeah, it could happen. And the realization that has struck everyone mm-hmm. that you have to prepare yourselves for this kind of IP war uh, to take place. And you know, like thank wizards for that because it was not anybody else that started that, duel to the death for absolute control of the concept. Right. And I think this is where it really wants to land is our criticism isn't, you know, like you said, there's some, there's points you can make, 
that the new release schedule for the uh, new edition is more of the same. Like they couldn't you know, plan this ahead of time. Well, what, let's be able to take that apart for a minute. Let's, I think you were on to something. They had all this time, but they squandered it on useless stuff. And the rest, they fitted away on completely unnecessary <laughs> trivialities. It's, well, you know. What'd you do with all that money we gave you? Well, after I uh, spent most of it uh, on whiskey and horrors, I frittered the west the rest away on trivial things. Yeah, they did. Uh, well, I was just going to say uh, on drinking cards, but hey, yeah, they they uh, they frittered away on completely unnecessary stuff, and so now they that was fluff. You know, they squandered it off on useless tangents. Now we've had some good stuff. People talking about Curse of Strahd. Oh, uh, what was the one before that? Waterdeep Heist and uh, the Frost Giants or the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And uh, even the uh, the sort of return to uh, the Salt March trilogy. Hey, that was, that was, uh, I, I think I that, that they, they did some good work. And yeah, there were some quality products that came out. Uh, the, you know, Candlekeep Mysteries. Uh, I enjoyed immensely. I I found it highly useful. Uh, the heist concept. Uh, oh, I never got a chance to cover Acquisitions Incorporated, you know, oh. because we had our little falling out with uh, Wizards, which we weren't going to cover anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here we are covering product. I de-enthused, you know, I, I, I took that stuff off of our, you know, list of things that we would really like to look at. Uh, and there was, there was a lot of good material. They did good work back in the day. Uh, I am profoundly, it's why I'm disappointed. Like, honestly, I'm not one of the people who hated them from the get go and couldn't wait to get on the hate bandwagon. Uh, I would be one of those people who was enthusiastically a purchaser of their products and then has been chased away. <laughs> You know, well, after a mauling. Uh, it, all right. Well, I'm here we are back in the bear's it. den. All right. All right. Well, so what we what I'd like to refocus is back towards is not that we're talking about Wizards of the Coast to praise them or really overly criticize them, but talk about what it means for these release schedules because we put our foot squarely out there to be stepped on by saying, like, hey, we thought that the fifth edition rollout was flawed. Uh, maintain that you know I, I kind of never have never owned a fifth edition product all the stuff i bought for uh recently has been for my wife has been either used or uh, given gifted to me um by others so yeah the, it has been there but i kind of maintained a principle on it uh, i did not like a lot of things that were going on in the industry at the time, and I moved away from it. It was mostly due with some of the uh, mentioned co-authors like Zach Smith and RPG Pundit having theirs in there. And I said I would never support the company for that as long as they remained on the covers. And they've removed them. And uh, I was like slowly starting to come around. Well, maybe I should reinvest in this. But now it's Tales of the Valiant. So really, fifth edition can just flip off. You know, I don't care. Whatever. Whatever D&D becomes, uh, it's been dead to me uh, for quite a while. Uh, if I'm going to play D&D, it's old school essentials. And that's pretty much my D&D experience. 
uh, right now. It's basically like first edition done a little bit uh, bare bones. Now, well, you know, I mean, it, pulling it's away got, from that, it's got shades of the old red box, blue box, you know, the. PC oh, yeah. And also the you know, uh, initial edition, you know, Paladins and Rangers. Yeah. Cavaliers that aren't so overpowered. But on the other hand, we're going to look at uh, coming up in the future here. We're going to keep our eye on Wizards of the Coast because, well, besides their predilection to step on rakes off. <laughs> and, you know, they provide some impetus for us to be negative. It, there's also lessons to be learned here. And that is one of the things you made last, a couple episodes ago, that the history of the, the company is pretty well documented. They're repeating some of the same mistakes that consistently have gotten them in trouble before. The problem with fourth edition was, is they fire, wanted to fire the customer and get a brand new fan base. How did that work out in a Dr. Phil moment? How, how did that really work out for you? Because you created a whole bunch of retro clones. The OSR movement really took off. Conceptually, oh it was already in development because a lot of people didn't like third edition. But then it spawned Pathfinder, a direct competitor. And now they're doing the same thing again. Yeah, Tales of the Valiant is going to use the fifth edition system under the Orc license that they've changed and reskinned and modified enough to be unique. But they're going to continue to publish the adventures that they have, and you can use them with their new 5th edition, or their version of the fifth edition, old 5th edition system under Tales of the Valiant. Yeah. So you've already created a competitor that will be able to use the previous content from the last edition. So, Which it was... How do I put this? Uh, back when the first rumors of a new edition began, we had this discussion, and I hesitate to say too soon because fifth edition has had a good long run. Yes. However, unlike any of the previous changes of edition, uh, fifth edition during its good long run has achieved a level of social relevance, general popularity, and meaningfulness that transcends anything that has ever happened before. So to give credit where it's due, right. you are basically riding like that pipeline wave that surfers dream of. Like I'm, I'm in the pipeline and this is like a mile long wave and I'm just, and it's perfect. And you've decided, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I hate this. This is, this is just way too perfect. I hate this much perfection. Oh, this sucks. I can't stand this. Let's let's ruin this. I'm just going to like turn right into the reef and I want to crash into some coral and I want to bleed and then I want the sharks to come out and like rip me from limb to limb and then I want crabs to like pick at the bones. Yeah, okay, this is what they've chosen when you could be riding the pipeline even further. You didn't have to mess with the OGL. How, how they could have yeah. avoided this? Not mess with the OGL. <laughs> They just could have said, hey, we're going out with a new edition. It's not going to be that many changes. It's going to be mostly clarification yeah. and some quality of life improvement for the classes. We're going to reduce some of the bloat, some things that have worked really well. We're going to stick with and things that didn't work so well and were cumbersome. We're going to try to change and make better, guys. If they would have come out with that, just that. Oh, yeah. And said, hey, and the OGL, it's fine. Yeah, do what you want. If you want to have old fifth edition stuff and bring it in here, you're going to be able to do that. It's all, yeah. it's all fun. It's all free. 
you know, you paid for it. It's, it's yours to use forever. Or if but, you'd split the product line and said, hey, all right, we're going to be continuing to create stuff for fifth edition, but we'd like to place an emphasis on a edition that is going to be a fusion that works best with our VTT launch. Uh, and this separate edition, it is not a sixth edition of D&D. This separate edition is crafted so that we can like have something yeah this new some material that is ideally prepared just for people who are investing themselves in the vtt market that that could have been a smart yep that they could have achieved their goals if they wanted to like hey we want to really invest in dnd online and we want to really move forward with this so our virtual tabletop moving forward is really going to use this new edition and you can use some parts of it of course but the things that have changed, you're not going to be able to go back to. So if you prefer some of the other mechanics or rules that uh, we have changed for whatever reasons. 5e is still going to be here for you. Yeah, you've, you've got your old version, but it just can't be used with some of the virtual tabletop. Because we understand. I can understand that from a certain yeah. practical point of view that, hey, I don't want to have to develop stuff for a legacy edition when I'm busy working with a new brand new edition. So they could have done that. They could have. But they chose not to. You have elected the way of dumb. <laughs> you have chosen the way of pain. Yeah. Uh, well, it is what it is. It happened. It happened. Uh, well, as we're drawing to our half hour mark, yeah. uh, I would like to invoke the Astrogalomancer's return. Yes, he has finally returned. Yes, he's off vacation. He, he crawled out of that Barca lounger in that, on that beach in the Bahamas and you know, like finally came back to Michigan. So <laughs> All right. That's the sound of the dice. Yeah. Now the Astrogalomancer gazes into the future and sees anime, manga, and the gamer of love story. Oh. We're going to take a look next week at the complicated relationship that, well, that complicated but amazing relationship that gamers have had with anime and manga uh, over the decades. And that in many ways, it is gamers and, you know, nerd culture, science fiction, fantasy culture. And comic book culture. Yeah. Nerd culture is chiefly responsible for what has eventually become one of the you know, like dominant uh, forms of entertainment in the modern world. So here we are 40 years later, reaping the benefits uh, of like nerd culture's obsession with like what was then a niche product. So yeah, look forward to that next week. Well, yeah, and I'm going to invoke my role as the uh, landing signal officer aboard ship and uh, keep Mike on task. Remember, angle, meatball, Approach, angle, meatball, approach. <laughs> Just keep on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not mention Ken Ralston in front of me. <laughs> okay. that, there's, there's your That's safety. a wave off. That's a wave off. Yeah. All right. Take it around. Come bring it back. Try again. So, yeah, we uh, we hope you enjoyed our little rendition of the edition. We got it out finally and uh, a lot of other things apparently. So, that will do it for us. We'll put some uh, lipstick on this pig and call it good. So, kiss it goodbye. <laughs> All right, so until next time, may, may the, the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.